The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sports book. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sports book experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into the score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. So take advantage of exciting promotions and odds boosts all season long. Download it now on iOS and Android. It's available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, and New Jersey, 21 plus. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. There are a lot of good podcasts out there, but we appreciate you riding along with us, and I think you're going to be glad you did today because we've got an outstanding guest, one of my fellow most accurate rankers, somebody who I used to battle with before I retired from the Fantasy Pros competition this year, Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus. He's absolutely crushing it over there, and it's not easy to create a weekly piece of content that is just a must read in the industry but I think he's done just that with his his weekly recap articles are phenomenal I've referenced them on the show a bunch of times he's got snap counts and routes run tons of data and takeaways in there really almost immediately after the games end it's really impressive I think the entire fantasy community owes him a debt of gratitude for that just being so accessible so quickly after games but I had to get him on again this year help share some of that knowledge some of those takeaways with us you can get him on the regular if you're following him on Twitter at PFF underscore Nate Yonke he's currently sitting in third in the most accurate analyst competition over at fantasy pros no surprise there he's been up near the top for a few years Nate Welcome back to the show, man. How you been? I'm guessing pretty good if you're already up in the top three over at Fantasy Pros. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for that introduction. I'm doing very well. I'm happy to have a nice week with Thanksgiving up ahead and three good football games on tomorrow and just a weekend full of football. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's always a a super fun week and the triple header on Thursday is always awesome to watch. I mentioned your your recap articles already. That's not all you're doing over at PFF, though. you got lots of other great content, including you do a biggest risers and fallers each week. And that's where I think I want to start here. You don't have to give us all the names from your column, but pick one of them. Who was the biggest riser for you after week 11? Um, I would go with Elijah Moore. I know he kind of seems like an obvious choice with how big a numbers he had this past week, but I was really interested to see just how much his playing time increased this past week. Um, The Jets have been fairly consistent in how they've used their wide receivers this season. It's been Corey Davis or Denzel Mims at one of the wide receiver spots, Moore or Keelan Cole at another receiver spot, and then Crowder playing in the slot. So uh, throughout this season, he's been fighting with Cole for playing time. And this was the first time that he had surpassed the 60% offensive snap threshold since early in the season when they were dealing with a ton of injuries. So... Um, he finally started to have a starter's worth of offensive snaps, and we definitely saw the benefits of that happening, and I could very well see him keeping that role with how well he did with it. So I'm excited to see not just his receptions and touchdowns and yards, but um, him being on the field so much should help him be able to sustain this level of play. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. It's great to see him getting more usage. And I think 
fantasy wise, when you're talking strategy, I've heard other people say this before. We've talked about it on the show before, but the idea that sometimes you don't even need to draft these rookies, that a lot of them are inevitably going to start off slow and then gain more playing time as the year goes along. And sometimes you don't have to draft them. You can just pick them up after the first month or so of the season, get them on your bench, and then you get to profit later in the year. So it's great that Moore's finally getting a chance to show what he's got, potential superstar moving forward in his career. All right, let's go to the other side of things, though. Who was the biggest faller for you after Week 11? I would go with Daryl Williams. We saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire return from his injury, and he hadn't been playing great even before the injury, so there was at least some thought that Williams could maintain some of that role or they could ease Edwards-Alaire in, but Williams really wasn't used all that much. Um, I know he still led the team in offensive snaps, but a lot of those were routes run. Um, He just had five carries and three targets, and all of that was with Jarek McKinnon getting injured on a special teams play early in the game, so... I wouldn't be surprised with a healthy McKinnon that Williams' uh, percentage of playing time would go down even further. So he's someone that maybe I'm still keeping on my roster on the bench just to see if anything happens, but definitely don't trust starting him anymore going forward unless something changes. Yeah, for sure. And I think it might be obvious to some, but the reason I want to start off with the risers and fallers is because I think it's so important to stay on top of these values, right? I think that might be the biggest mistake that I see fantasy managers make is holding on to beliefs that are a few weeks old, not realizing that these situations are changing constantly, which is another reason why your recap articles are so useful. And then on top of that, not only do we have to make sure that coming out of every Sunday slate, we know exactly what happened and we can adjust accordingly, then we got to stay on top of the news cycle during the week. And the NFL news cycle this season has been absolutely bonkers, just crazy. It feels like it's never ending. I mean, right now, if we're just looking at the Thanksgiving Day games that we mentioned before, we'll talk about the whole Thanksgiving Day slate at the end of the show. We're going to do a Thanksgiving-themed rapid-fire section, so we'll hit on all of those. But just looking at that three-game slate, we have rumors that Matt Nagy could be fired after the Bears game. We have Jared Goff as a game-time decision. We got injuries on the Cowboys, including you know big names like CeeDee Lamb. We also have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram not practicing Monday or Tuesday, so we don't know if they're going to play or not. I hope people went out and stashed Tony Jones just in case. I mean, we'll see if Ingram can get back to practice on Wednesday, but that's all just from Thursday's games. And then we still have the Sunday slate to think about, and the Titans are doing a great job of generating a ton of news on their own. I mean, A.J. Brown's banged up. Hopefully he can practice a little bit this week and get back out there. They did seem to get some good news early in the week that it's not going to be super serious, but that doesn't mean he's going to be able to play in Week 12, especially because they have a bye coming up. They also released Adrian Peterson from that backfield. They signed another vet, Golden Tate, to the receiving core, and I'm not sure if that Tate signing moves the needle for you at all. You can feel free to comment on that one, but what I'm more curious about here is how you're going to approach that Titans backfield now that Peterson's gone, because Deonta Foreman was kind of leading that committee up until last week, but game script had a little bit to do with that maybe. You had Jeremy McNichols, who's been the pass-catching option, but he was out with a concussion, so Dontrell Hilliard came into the game, and he put up some decent numbers. Like I said, maybe because the game script, I don't know if that was the only reason. A lot of people went out and rushed to the waiver wire to get him after Peterson got let go. Do you think that he's worth picking up here? How are you valuing these three Titans backs now that Peterson's out of the picture? Basically, at this point, I'm trying to get some of them off the waiver wire onto my bench, but I definitely wouldn't trust starting probably any of them this week. Um, I think just because at this point of the season, now that we're getting close to the end of bye weeks, you probably have some bench spots of guys that you might not be starting the rest of the way. 
So I'd probably rather put some unknowns at the bottom of my rosters rather than having someone that'll just sit there. So I'm at least willing to wait and see what happens with this Titans backfield. But I definitely, right after the Titans game, thought Hilliard was just kind of playing that McNichols role of the receiving back in the game script. I think had a bit to do with it. I know he got a couple carries early in the game as well. But after Peterson got cut, I could see basically anything happening since I think Foreman's the only one that I would probably could see him getting double-digit carries in the game if the Titans are winning. So Foreman's probably still the player that I most want out of this backfield. But with how well Helgear did this past week, there's at least a chance that they get him more involved with the run game as well. So um, these are all guys that I think are worth stashing on your bench just to see what happens rather than some backfield where it's been consistent the entire year and you probably don't want to start whichever option that is. And then also with the Golden Tate signing, I would at least consider signing him as well just because I could see him pretty easily um, being a pretty every down starter and uh, getting plenty of targets, so especially PPR leagues where they might just throw him a couple of short passes where he'll rack up some points even if he's not getting a ton of yards. Um, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility, especially since he's had all offseason, all season so far to stay rested, and he looked decent at least in his last year with the Giants, so I could see him still doing okay this year. Yeah, I like that take there that you really you want to get involved, you want to take some shots, but you want to keep expectations in check kind of with all these guys. Yes, someone could turn out to be a, a fantasy starter down the stretch here, but we're not overly confident that any of these guys are going to end up doing that. In deeper leagues, I mean, Tate probably would only be a, a pickup for me in a, a deeper league, but yeah. there's a chance when you have a guy that had that kind of production in his career that he still has something left in the tank. And I mean, we took a shot on Peterson. A lot of people did. I think I picked him up on one or two rosters. And it was pretty evident right away that he wasn't going to be the answer, the Derrick Henry replacement for them. You know, hopefully one of those other guys can carve out a, a larger role in the backfield and become somebody that fantasy managers can actually trust in their lineups, not just a, a dart throw flex option. We'll see about Golden Tate. I mean, just you know that the, the Peterson experiment didn't work. Maybe they'll have some more luck with Tate here. And that's just the way it goes with these veteran free agents, right? Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, you get that last bit of juice out of them. Sometimes it ends up being a, a waste of time. And if we look at the Panthers, I mean, they took a shot on Cam Newton, on a veteran guy that they had a history with. You thought there was no chance. If he was going to end up somewhere, there's no way that he's going to go back to Carolina. And yet they end up doing it. And it's pretty easy to follow the act of Sam Darnold. He just completely cratered there. So anybody coming in, was going to have a shot to look better than that. And Newton legitimately gave them something last week. It wasn't just the stats on the field. It was the confidence that they were kind of missing after the first nine or ten weeks, right? It really kind of got the team excited again. Now the question is going to be, can he keep that up? So, Nate, how are you valuing Newton fantasy-wise here after that big performance last week? You think he could actually be a QB1 the rest of the way, or... Was that maybe the, the high point for him, and it's going to be all downhill from here? I think in the short term, he can be a QB1. I especially like him this upcoming week. Um, right now, it's a small sample size, but he's leading all the quarterbacks and fantasy points per dropback, so he has looked fairly good from a fantasy football perspective. But um, he does have the bye week coming up, uh, not this week, but the following week. Um, has a good matchup after that, but then... Once you start hitting the fantasy playoffs, he starts seeing some much tougher defenses that'll make it a little bit harder for him to sustain quarterback one status. So I definitely would start him this week if you have if you don't have a better option. So I think he can do well in this game. I think he can do well after his bye week. 
But after that point, I'd probably be looking to start someone else. Well, I mean, if anything, Newton's a good example that we probably shouldn't give up on these guys too early. Because a few weeks back, I'm not sure anybody expected that we'd see another big fantasy day from him. But that's exactly what we got last week. And it makes me wonder if there's any other players out there who have disappointed us this year, who haven't come through for us fantasy-wise this year but who maybe could turn things around down the stretch. So I'm curious, you have anybody that fits that description? We can go back and forth here. I'll toss out a couple too, but give us an underachiever who might be able to rebound down the stretch. Um, I think someone who definitely will rebound, David Montgomery. I know he's had the injury, and since he's returned from injury, he hasn't really put up the biggest fantasy outputs. I think he's been RB33, RB27 in his two games back. But he is playing the vast majority of snaps, which is pretty rare for a running back to do. And even with some of the backups they have in Chicago, it's surprising to see him have so many snaps. And then the schedule also gets a lot easier the rest of the way. So I think he's someone that I definitely see rebounding and being able to have him confidently in your starting lineup going forward. I love that call, not just because I've talked about him as a trade candidate, somebody that people should be targeting over the last few weeks as trade deadlines were coming up but also because I personally went out and got him on a bunch of teams. So I love hearing that you feel great about him as well. For me, I'm going to hit on a guy that kind of a similar scenario. I'm really intrigued by what Miles Sanders could do the rest of the way. Comes back last week, loses a fumble, costs him a bit of playing time, but he saw 16 carries in the game, had 94 yards. But because there was no touchdowns, because he had the fumble that knocked his final you know, total down point-wise, it put a bit of a damper on his fantasy stat line. So people might not actually realize the potential that's there, but you have Jordan Howard dealing with the knee sprain. He's likely going to be out this week, maybe longer. And yeah, Sanders, it will still be some sort of committee. They'll still have Boston Scott involved. Maybe they'll give a few touches to Kenneth Gainwell because he'll probably be active if Howard's out. But Sanders is the clear lead back there. The upcoming schedule, kind of like you said with Montgomery, the upcoming schedule, so nice for the Eagles. He gets the Giants, the Jets, then a bye, then Washington, the Giants again, and Washington again. All three of those teams that are in there, because a couple of them are, are doubled up, all three of them in the top 13 for most fantasy points allowed to running backs. So favorable matchups the rest of the fantasy season, with the exception of that bye, obviously. You'll have to find another option that week. And we're talking about a guy who only hit double-digit fantasy points twice this year. We could see him do that several times over the next month or so. So Sanders, to me, is just the poster boy for this question. I think he's right there with a guy like David Montgomery, in my opinion. Feel free to give any thoughts you have on Sanders. If not, give us your next underachiever who you think could turn it around. Uh, First, I definitely agree with you on Sanders. I think the Eagles, throughout this entire season, they've wanted to run the ball. If you look at how often they run the ball when they had a lead, when they were tied, when they were only losing by a little bit, they were running more than most teams were. It was just they can consistently had bad game scripts which is why Sanders wasn't doing so well early in the season so I think like you said with the schedule upcoming and how well the Eagles have been playing recently I think they can at least stay competitive if not win a number of these games so that should be game scripts where Sanders should be seeing double digit double digit carries each game so I agree with you there and just to give I guess a group of names for my next one I think the Cardinals wide receivers in general Um, should be doing a lot better. I know injuries have had a lot to do with it with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, but I also like their schedule upcoming. So I think uh, Kirk and AJ Green both um, should do better than they have been doing. I know both of them are kind of at different levels to begin with, but I think also once Hopkins is healthy, you can start trusting him again with 
uh, the schedule Arizona has ahead. So um, I think the Arizona wide receivers are players in general that I'd at least hold on to and should have good games to end the season. Yeah, sometimes people forget when a quarterback gets hurt how bad an offense can look at times. And I know they got some wins and Colt McCoy threw for over 300 yards last week, so it wasn't like they were doing nothing, but we can't forget how good that offense can be when you have a healthy Kyler Murray and a healthy DeAndre Hopkins and more scoring opportunities and, and all that sort of stuff. And with the bye week here, fingers crossed we're going to get those guys back and healthy and ready to go down the stretch to help everybody's fantasy teams. Uh, my next one, I'll give a, a two-for-one here. You, you coupled a, a bunch of guys together. I'm going to put a couple here together. Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chanel. So I talked about Chanel on Monday's waiver wire show. I'll try not to regurgitate too much of that one, but with Travis Etienne, with DJ Chark, with now Jamal Agnew, all on IR. It's crazy that we're including Jamal Agnew in that group, but still what we saw this year, he got a lot of work in that offense. The Jags didn't have no choice but to throw to Jones and Chanel, and they should have been doing this the whole time, but now that all those guys are, are out of the way, they have to throw to them. And we might have got a glimpse of it last week. You had both guys top 50 yards for the first time since their week seven bye. It's been a little while, but this is another one where the schedule is for sure going to help. Jacksonville gets the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans, and the Jets in four of their next five outings. They're all in the top 11 in terms of easiest matchups for fantasy wideouts. Plus, the easy schedule, it's going to be a good thing for Trevor Lawrence, too. Should help him get something going, gain a little positive momentum, a little confidence. It's been a weird year for that Jags offense, but it should end strong thanks to that schedule. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, the Jamal Agnew injury is the thing that kind of could unlock Jones and, and Cheneau down the stretch here. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I at least hope that they start doing better. Chanel, um moving back to the slot hopefully will help him since uh, playing on the outside these past uh, several weeks hasn't seemed to do much for him. So hopefully a return to playing in the slot helps him out. But I think with the schedule and hopefully they're a team that ends strong because they have so much young talent on that offense that hopefully they are able to start putting it together since that should lead to uh, plenty of fantasy success in the next several years. So hopefully it at least starts at the end of this year. Yeah, we want to be able to feel good about them in the offseason and, and get excited about them for next year because I think some of us, I was definitely excited for this year and it, it hasn't really worked out. All right, you got one more turnaround candidate for us? Uh, yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is someone who these past couple weeks hasn't been doing as good. He had those really big weeks um, about a month or so ago, but then it's kind of been downhill. I think um, some of the injuries to the Falcons offense or players not playing have factored in, so he's kind of had to be the guy, but... I think having Cordero Patterson, once he's back, should be able to help. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I hope he's doing well, but he's at least eligible to come back whenever he's ready to. So there's at least a chance he'll return to the offense. So I think the better the offense can do as a team, the better Pitts can do from a fantasy perspective. So I think he's someone who should be able to play well late in the season after the Falcons are able to get some of their other players back to help Pitts do well. You want to say nice things about Kyle Pitts, you've come to the right place. This is a very pro-Kyle Pitts podcast here, so I love hearing that. Uh, we're getting towards the end. Before we get to the rapid-fire section, we'll sprint to the finish there. But before we get to that, let's focus just on Week 12 specifically here. We always ask this question, is there a player or maybe a couple players, if you have more than one, who you think is being overlooked this week? We always ask this on the Wednesday shows because we want to give people a chance to highlight somebody. It could be a, an off-the-radar type flex play. It could be a star that... Maybe people are oddly down on for some reason. This is your chance. Hype up a guy or a couple guys who aren't getting the love they deserve in Week 12. 
Um, I'll go with two guys first. I'll start with Corey Davis of the Jets. I know Elijah Moore is getting all the hype with what he did last week, but I think at least with Moore, some of that hype was a little predictable facing the Dolphins defense. Uh, the Dolphins have played the most man defense out of any team, and more throughout the season, he's been able to take advantage of man defenses. That's where he's gotten a lot of his success. So I was excited about more coming into last week because of the defense they faced. But now they go up against the Texans where um, they play uh, the eighth most zone defense out of any team. And Davis is someone who does a lot better against zone defenses versus man defenses. And the Texans not only run a lot of zone defense, but they haven't been very good at zone defense. So I think Corey Davis is someone who will see a little bit higher target share than usual, even though he's been fairly consistent on his targets and be able to have a lot of success. So uh, Davis is the first guy that I really like this week. And then Gronk is another one. He came back last week, uh, didn't score a touchdown, but I really like his matchup against the Colts. Um, they've allowed top nine tight ends each of the past four weeks, and some of them have been some pretty random tight ends that have done well. Gronk's by far the most talented one that the Indianapolis has faced recently. So I think Gronk should be at least a top five tight end this week. So I think he's going to be someone that pe most people are starting, but people should be prepared to have a big week out of him. Yeah, I'm sure you'd agree too. Ranking tight ends is always a, a treat. Once you get outside of those top guys from like tight end, five or six to like tight end 15 or so there's a lot of interesting guys guys who are going to get some red zone opportunities you know they could get a touchdown or two i think gronk belongs at or near the top of that group when he's healthy and he showed that last week so i'm right there with you normally i toss out a couple players here too but when i looked at it i really didn't see any egregious ones and most of the guys that i thought deserved a little more love were guys that i actually talked about on the waiver wire show on monday so people can go back Check that one out if you didn't listen to that episode already because we got to get to the rapid-fire questions here. And like I said off the top, we're going to go with that Thanksgiving theme because I know some people don't listen to the show until Friday or Saturday, you know, waiting to get ready for the weekend slate. So if that's you, if you've already watched the Thanksgiving games, you can shut the show off here unless you just want to hear if Nate got these predictions right or not, which could be fun, I guess, if you know the answers already. We'll, we'll see how Nate can do. I'm pretty sure he's going to do all right. The guy's one of the best prognosticators in the industry so remember nate quick answers only here if you want to give a sentence or two a context that's fine it's almost encouraged it's really almost impossible to not give a little context when you're answering these uh -huh. but we'll try to get through these quick sound good sounds good with the bears facing the lions here is david montgomery a top 10 fantasy back this week i think you might say yes based on what you were saying about him before i say not quite i have him in the 11 to 15 range there's just too many other backs that are more talented that have at least okay to good matchups so it's more about the other backs that have good matchups than Montgomery all right so close just outside there will the Bears offense actually be better with Andy Dalton at the helm instead of Justin Fields I don't think so Fields has played very well these last couple games he's improved as the season's gone on so Dalton would be better than Fields earlier this season but not better than Fields these last few weeks does TJ Hawkinson still deserve to be viewed as a mid-range tight end one uh, yes, he's been a top 10 tight end three of the past five weeks. There's just too many middle-range tight end ones that have struggled recently, so I think Hawkinson definitely has the target share that he should stay there. 
Yeah, I've gotten a lot of people asking me questions about him who are kind of down on him, and I get it. Like, he had the the zero, the one week, and that happens to some of these tight ends sometimes, right? We saw it happen to Mike Gusecki recently. Like, you can't, when a guy gets that kind of volume at the tight end position, you can't go away from him. Another Lions one, will Josh Reynolds turn into the best fantasy receiver on the Lions before season's end? I don't think so. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the one I'd stick with. He's been decently consistent recently, and I think he should just continue to improve as the season goes on. All right, on to the Raiders and the Cowboys matchup here. How high would you rank Michael Gallup if CeeDee Lamb joins Amari Cooper on the sidelines this week? And we will add that I just saw a pop-up on my phone that Lamb is practicing today. That doesn't mean that he's going to get cleared, but at least it's a positive step. It still gives him a chance to get cleared before Thursday's game. I would have him in the 15 to 20 range, so definitely someone you want to start, but he's just not as talented as some of the other receivers that consistently get a high target share, but you should still start him and be happy with starting him. Yeah, it should be a pretty strong volume play, 10 targets last week with those guys banged up. Are people underestimating Tony Pollard's fantasy value? He's had some pretty decent games, some pretty good yardage totals recently. I think a little bit, yeah, it's hard knowing that he's not going to be the main back for the Cowboys, so that makes it a little harder, so I think he's consistently been a flex play, but I think, if anything, it's the Cowboys that are underestimating his value, and it's Dallas that should be giving him more playing time. Aside from Darren Waller, is there anybody on the Raiders that you feel confident starting in fantasy this week? I wouldn't say feel good starting. I'm still putting <laughs> Jacobson as a second running back and Hunter Renfro as a third wide receiver, and that's just where they fit in amongst all the other players, but it's not someone that I'm excited to put them in my lineups. Yeah, you just cross your fingers and hope Jacobs can find the end zone or something. Yeah. Uh, the night game features the Bills and the Saints. Which Bills running back has the most fantasy value in this one? You know, It went from a two-man committee with Moss and Singletary. Now it's a three-man committee with Matt Breda getting involved there, too. Which uh, which one of those guys you like the best this week? I have Singletary the best, but I have them all in the 40 to 44 range in my rankings, so ideally not starting any of them. But Singletary I have with a slight lead. Yeah, it makes it kind of a, a bit of a stay away at this point. Is this a week that Trevor Simeon gets exposed? He's had a couple decent fantasy days. He's had some stretches where he hasn't been great, but overall he's been able to put up decent numbers the last few starts here. But going up against that Bills defense, is this a week that he's going to get exposed? Uh, yeah, I think decent is the word that I would use for how he's played recently, but I think going up against the Bills defense, he will struggle a bit more than he has been these past few weeks. If you had to start one of the Saints receivers on Thanksgiving, who would it be? It would be Callaway, but I have him and Traquan Smith literally back-to-back in my rankings right now, but Callaway is the one that I'd give a slight edge to. All right, and then the last one here. Will this be the year that you take home first place in the Fantasy Pros Accuracy (laughs) Contest? (laughs) I I certainly hope so. I'm in third place now. I'm within striking distance, so I just got to move a little bit ahead each and every week, and hopefully I'll get there. Well, I think this is going to be the year, and I think it would only make sense because I flirted with it for a few years before I finally won. Pat Fitzmorris, who took it home last year, we've had him on the show a bunch of times. He was close for several years before finally getting over the hump. Now you're the next one, I think, who's destined to get to the, the top of that mountain. Yeah. And now that I'm not competing against you, I can actually root for you now, which is great, too. Thank you. I will say Jeff Radcliffe, who is in first place right now, he's also been fighting year after year and has had several good years, but not in first place yet. So even if I don't get it, and he does, uh, he's also someone very deserving of winning. If I'm not the one that ends up doing it. And Jeff is a friend of the show. We've had him on before. Jeff's great, too. Yeah, so any one of our, our friends of the show here taking it home, That's what we want to see. But that's probably as good a spot as any to call it here. So that's all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Nate's content over at Pro Football Focus. And go follow him on Twitter, 
at PFF underscore Nate Yonke. Always insightful having you on, man. Appreciate you taking the time. I know it's tough to carve out that time during the season. And like I said earlier, I thank you for posting that usage data so quickly after the games too, because I'm using it all the time. You're doing a great job over at PFF and just wishing you nothing but the best here over Thanksgiving and over the rest of the season, man. Just keep crushing it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for having me and have a great Thanksgiving. As for us over at The Score, we recorded early again this week, so that means the trade value chart's going to go up a little later than usual on Wednesday. Don't flood my mentions asking where it is. I promise it's going to be there later today. I will get it up. And then I'll have my updated Week 12 rankings out on Thursday, and since it's that Thanksgiving slate, I'll try to get those up nice and early on Thursday morning for you. But until then, big thanks again to Nate. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. We'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time.